0: I hit this wall and I was like, what is going on? And I went through this really painful kind of dark period where I was really, really evaluating all the things I thought and how I approached myself, my family, my work. And I kind of emerged out of that understanding that being a wife and a mother, I adore that. Mm-hmm. But those are things that I do. It's not who I am. So when I right. discovered, hold on a second, I am me, something, a very different person to the roles that I play. It gave me such a level of clarity.
1: Hello, I'm Elizabeth Ribbons, your host for Next, a podcast dedicated to connecting women through stories, inspiration, and actions that empower resilience, leverage change, and celebrates their next. Today's guest is Denise Bruder, founder at Sway Workplace. Sway is a learning and growing community platform for people mastering flexible work as the gateway to the future of work. Formerly, she was finance and operations VP at Goldman Sachs. Welcome, Denise. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, I, you know, have to say that you and I've had a few conversations, and they're all together exciting every time I chat with you, because, you know, you are somebody who is a, a futurist, someone that's looking at the workforce and and what's going to be taking place, especially after what we've been through and what we're going into. And, and everyone is speculating, but it's looking like we're not going to go back to the way things were. And um, I'd like to hear a little bit about, you know, what your thoughts are on that.
0: Well, uh, the first thought would be on what you mentioned there about futurism or the future and the future mm-hmm. of work. And that can apply to many things like the future of healthcare, the future of telecom. It's somewhat in vogue to have that thought process or that conversation. But Uh, One aspect of futurism is the idea that a future is a double-edged sword, meaning when anyone talks about the future of anything, the future of work, the future of women at work, it's almost like, well, as soon as we say that word, we're describing something that is so far out in the future, really beyond an arm's length that doesn't actually apply to us. Mm -hmm. That is the downside of the word. The upside of the word, though, is it allows everyone to stop and actually have a conversation and a thought around reimagining something new in whatever that future of conversation is. So in futurism, it actually is a double-edged sword. But the way I see it is that I think that we actually create our reality. So I don't consider necessarily the future as in some distant land. I'm wondering, what are we doing in this moment? What are we doing today to shape the future that we want to live in? So that's just the first thought that came to mind there. And hopefully we'll set the tone for the conversation for what we mean when we say the future. We're really talking about what we're doing today.
1: What we're doing today, what what could be better, and how could we make it better? And there's just so many issues going on right now with the workforce and um, women in the workforce. And we know right now it's 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 a it's a terrible mess um, with with mothers and uh, women and leaving the workforce. Uh, And how is that going to show up when when things start to level out and we begin to get back to working again? How does that I mean, I, I'm a person that's a, a glass half full, so while this is horrible and what's going on, I'm actually kind of glad for it because it is going to, uh, you know, heighten the pace of the change and what we're looking to do in the future. So I would love, you know, because my audience wants to know what's next. They want to, They're thinking about mm-hmm. their next, and a lot of them, most all of them are women, and they're looking at the flexibility of the, the life in place, what they can be doing Mm -hmm. um, in the future to remain relevant, to be continuing to work and how that might look because they've built, they've, they're accomplished. They're, they're, they've done things in life and they're not, they're not exactly done. So they want to continue. And how does, how does that look? I mean, um, what would you say uh, you would say? Oh, work as a lifestyle. Why don't we talk about that? Mm -hmm. Because that's something that I'm thinking. Ties in with this?
0: Absolutely. Well, uh, a short answer to that question is that I've got great news for your audience, and that is that the future is female. Yeah. And it is undoubtedly female. So, just to explain what I mean by that, the future of work for, uh, has been, that term has been around for the last several years, and for sure it's been more of an academic approach. So, you had the Deloitte's and the McKinsey's of the world turning out lots of work papers on the future of work, and the whole content there. So the influence of technology and the fourth industrial revolution, and how it's going to shape and displace lots and lots of people in the world of work, and how do we prepare for such a thing? So that's what the uh, the academic conversation was when COVID happened. It was this massive, massive sh- shift to the system where we all dispersed and worked remotely. But the major upside I see to where the situation that we have right now is that the COVID experience has accelerated the action-orientated nature of the future of work, because it's no longer an academic conversation or for those levels of orgs that can hire a Deloitte or McKinsey, it's an everyday household dinner table conversation. So for that, I am truly grateful because that really solves a lot of our issues when I say the future is female, meaning the experience that we've had right now has been very painful and I know different to many other working moms that has been feeling and carrying this burden this pain point for the, over the course of the last year and it's been wicked frustrating and very difficult but it's also been fantastically beautiful and the greatest learning experience I've ever had mm-hmm. so there's been major major pros and major major cons but I will say that walking into it my first thought was um every gain that we think that women made in the world of work it was all a paper gain. Mm-hmm. like whatever wow. really changed If the first thing that happened, and I myself, even my leading sway on my own team, the first thing we said is, well, we're in trouble because we're going to have to stay home and our husbands are going to go to work. That was our first thought. And I was so shocked that I even had that fleeting moment. And it really made me think, all the gains we think we've had, are they all in paper gains? Has anything really, really changed? Right. So I think as we've gone through over the course of last year, we've discovered not a lot has changed. That it is women that are working moms that are kind of carrying a lot of the brunt of what's happening. Not not exclusively. I think myself and my husband have partnered really well throughout this in a lot of ways. And he's grown into his role like that in a lot of ways. Different situation for different folks. But the really thing that I found so hopeful about this is that it's shone a light on the weakness of the world of work. And that weakness is how women integrate into work and how we're supported and how are we and how are we cared for. And for me, it's all about flexible work. Pre-COVID, it was a really difficult conversation to have. And if you look for flexibility, it was codified in the EDA law, the American with Disabilities Act. That's the only place you can see a real hard reference to flexibility and where it could come into play. Outside of that, it wasn't a style of work that was really uh, promoted or adopted or advocated for. But I think coming out of this, f- the flexible work movement has been born. And I think a lot of companies have seen the de-risked ask and the evolution towards flexible work. So the future is female for a number of reasons. One is flexibility will be the norm going forward. That's going to democratize access and still allow men, women, and everyone else to work in a more humanized way. But the really interesting angle too is that the future of work is all about a new set of skills and those soft skills that people talk about, those of collaboration, empathy, and teamwork, those are skills that come very natural to women,
1: women or to yeah. the female
0: energy. Yes. hmm so even to expand that further, it's more at like the female energy. If we all have male female energy, it's definitely more in the female energy side, which is more associated with women. So if you if you marry that thought with the fact that there are a lot more women graduating from university than men, the labor pool itself is tilting female. Mm-hmm. So for all those reasons, if you encapsulate that what's really going to drive this forward is that I really truly believe that our one of our nation's greatest greatest assets is our massive pool of untapped potential in the female workforce. Those are people that are not in the workforce, on the edge of the workforce. There are women that are underrepresented. There are women that don't think they have anything else to add to the workforce. That is a massive pool of untapped talent that for us as a nation to be successful, we have to unlock. So for all those macro and micro reasons, the future is female. And for one, I am excited about where we're going.
1: Oh, yes, me too. Me, I definitely am. And, and I want to, to kind of, Understand because now we're, we're, we're asking for companies to change and they already are. They're becoming more empathetic, they're becoming more uh, aware of balancing out. Um, it, it, let me just read what you wrote for just quickly something from um, New Jersey Tech. You wrote an article um, in December of last year. We, uh, we at Sway Workplace predict that people will choose to work in more humanistic ways where being both productive and personally balanced will be sought after. The sought after pair that's viewed as an integral to business success. We've already begun the groundwork in developing the mindset needed to reach this destination. So we're doing the mindset, but the companies, are, they're already, they've been forced to, to understand that this is, this is less risk than they thought. So it's kind of been done for us and we're, we're moving a little quicker, it's, it's accelerated it. But how, how do we, as women, with all of our wonderful, many many talents, start creating this for ourselves? If we want that to happen, do we, you go to the companies and you get them to understand and then they reach out to the women or is it the other way around? How do we get this to actually connect and and be something?
0: Well, I think that's why timing, this moment in time that we have is so unique and in my mind, completely unprecedented. And just to answer that question in terms of the timing, if we step back and look at the lineage of the way the work has evolved in the U.S., we are First of all, a very young country, 250 odd years old. We're a baby compared to many other like, European uh, medieval countries. We, we're such a young country with a relatively young workforce that it is just the case that our values have transferred from families and communities over time, that women have never en masse really had a shot at this.
1: No. Simply right.
0: because we're, we're just so young, we're just getting going. So from a momentum perspective and a, and a longevity of time perspective, I feel like for all of those reasons, it is our time to change. And two things are going to change. I don't necessarily think that it's any longer like sitting down and having a conversation with a team member or a manager about talking about flexible work. What's really interesting is the angle of the future of work is that companies are coming to people and upskilling them and Sparking this thought about what it is to be human at work, not necessarily because it makes me feel good and I, I feel like I'm balanced things, but in the way that our economy works right now. We used to be a manufacturing economy for a really long time, mm-hmm. and today machines make products. So we move from being a manufacturing economy into a knowledge-based economy, which is how office is developed and office-based tasks. And for a long time, that's what we did. Mm-hmm. But artificial intelligence technologies are being rapidly deployed, and they are automating all of those tasks. If, you, if there's any part of your job that is if this, then that, and you can describe it like that, that is subject to automation will probably happen in the near future. Yeah. So what we're left with as a talent pool is what it is to be human at work. What is it to tap into your potential and your your ability to follow your intuition and suggest and create things in new ways? That's what companies need from people. So it's no longer a question of putting your hand up and saying, I really want to work flexibly because I want to have work as a lifestyle. That definitely is half of the conversation. But there's definitely a meaning in the middle because companies need people to be more human at work because it's the only way left. And it's our greatest source of creating value in the 21st century. So timing is everything. There's a huge amount of untapped female potential in our country. Companies are coming to the table, needing people to be more human at work. And we are empowering ourselves with the confidence that we can do this. That we deserve this. Furthermore, we are overqualified, in my opinion, for for what's being asked. So it's game on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and I think, too, we carry a huge equity as far as what we've accomplished, what we can bring. And if we were to really hold that boundary and say, this is what I want, this is how I want to work, uh, I think that that helps as well. If, if we continue to slide back into the way things were, we're not going to get anywhere. And, it, and obviously, it's, it's broken. It's not going to continue. It can't continue. Um, but like you said earlier on, women haven't been in the workforce for that long. And, and this, this uh, podcast will be airing during uh, Women's History Month and, um, in March. And, and, I, and I just have to say that women, you know, for 100 years, we missed it last year, but 100 years, um, you know, being able to vote. But also, we really haven't fully been in the workforce for more than what? 50 years? Not even, 40. 40 years in the 60s, right? Really. That's exactly right. Yes. And, and so, so I find, I honestly,
0: I really do believe that the keys to our success in the future of work are buried in the past. And if you can have a perspective on the history of what's how women evolved in the world of work, you're going to find everything you need to be successful, successful in the future of work. And a big piece of that is perspective.
1: Yes. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that the the way that women were trying to fit into the, the industrial, the, the older way, does, it didn't work. It clearly didn't work and, it, and it's breaking now. It's, it is so exposed and breaking now. Um, and I don't know that if in the home, like you were saying, your husband's been helpful, and, you know, and, and I know couples or their husbands have been helpful, but I, I think that women just take on that, that like you say, that human part of the home, the human part of the family, if you're part of a big family, which I am, um, there's siblings or adults, or your elders that need you, and usually it's the, the daughters that, that get involved in that. And I don't know if it's if, if, we, if we can get men to meet us halfway on that, or if we accept that this is kind of how it is, and of course we share tasks and responsibility, but we're going to, to um, come at it from a different perspective. And instead of us trying to fit into the man's world and then ask, asking men to to fit into our world. I think we accept the roles that we are playing and then see if we can blend them a bit and collaborate, but at the same time, uh, rather than ask people to, to be what they're not. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you think that makes any sense?
0: Oh uh, yes, I do because resolving for myself personally, what you just said was a major, major switch in life for me. So For a very long time, I felt like I was a mom and a wife, and there were ideals attached to that that I pursued, and I wanted to sustain because it brought me joy, peace, and happiness and stability. But at some point, and it wasn't that long ago, I hit this wall, and I was like, what is going on? And I went through this really painful kind of dark period where I was really, really evaluating all the things I thought and how I approached myself, my family, my work, and I kind of emerged out of that understanding that being a wife and a mother, I adore that. Mm -hmm. But those are things that I do. It's not who I am. So when I discovered, hold on a second, I am me, something very different person to the roles that I play, it gave me such a level of clarity to see what it is and what I do with my days and my times and my relationships. So I cook dinner every night for my family, not because I feel like I should because it's a woman's job, but because I love cooking and feeding my kids good food. That I love that. Yeah. But in other ways, I, I lean out for that process. And I set boundaries all around me for what I need to do and work. And a rising tide lifts all boats. And I found that as I've changed my behaviors in terms of how I show up at home and at work and my friends and my circles, everyone around me seems to have changed too, all for the better. Yeah. So I think there's a, there's a reimagination of how we are collectively as women in the workforce showing up. And I really think we're shaking off the shackles of the past and we're rediscovering our purpose and our fit. And mostly we're rediscovering this untapped potential and power that we have. And if you place that in the timeline of where we are, it is the time we are being beckoned and called collectively to step up in new ways. And it starts with us. It definitely starts with us.
1: Oh, I love that you said that because it does start with us in so many ways. Going back to, understanding that roles that we've played, that we've enjoyed, uh, that does not define you. Um, for me, and knowing exactly who you are, what you bring, and how you can deliver it is really, really powerful. And I think as women, we're, we're getting more in touch with that, as well as the job, these other things that we're doing, that's outside of us, that, that does not define us. And the boundaries of saying out loud, this is what I'm willing to do, and this is what I'm not going to do. And uh, again, going back to the, the, the workplace and this new time, and I think women coming in and saying, absolutely, this is what I'm great at. This is what I know I can do. And this is my boundary as far as what I'm needing in order for me to deliver that to you. And I think that's the conversation, is that each and every woman has to own her own uh, voice or her own self more, instead of the old way where we were showing up and being helpful and, um, you know, setting ourselves aside and all those old roles. I think this is the new role that women really have to get themselves standing firmly in um, and and having those boundaries and and feeling comfortable about those boundaries. Uh, Just as men have have been going out and working and thinking, okay, they'll take care of it. (laughs) All these years,
0: right? (laughs) Yeah, it's the case. And I I will just add on to that idea, a different kind of way to look at that is that it's in my mind, I don't almost any longer see men and women at work. I see people. And I see everything. We're all humans at the end of the day. So we are 99.9% the same. We're marginally different. And where we're different is what makes life interesting. We have different interests. We look different. We're different clothes. But we have the same motivators and the same triggers. We share in it. We all share in the same human design. So in my mind, I see people at work. And yeah. the reason I say that is because this, this experience in COVID has accelerated the future work conversation from academic to the kitchen table. It's opened up this massive opportunity for women at work to step in and role model the new behaviors. Yeah. That is such a, that's such a significant Thing to be able to say because I believe that is the case. We are role modeling the new behaviors in the future of work because we have really not been unleashed yet. Our economic power and our brain power and our muscle has not really been unleashed, uh, enforced in the world of work because again, this is still relatively new. If you look at longevity and history of time, so we're role modeling what the future of work
1: is to look like for all those around us, and we're being able to be given that opportunity because of COVID, because of we're, we're being able to move into that and say what it is we need and, and, be, and create it for ourselves, which brings me to the next topic within uh, one of your terms that you had had mentioned was flexible work week. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and again, you know, I, I've been an entrepreneur for most all of my life. And so I, I really know what the flexible work week was. And I was able to really scale, do my business, whatever I wanted to do. But at the same time, I worked it around being present for the things that I really wanted to be present for as well. And I think that that's not just female, but male too, you know, um, being able to show up for the things that we really want to be there for for our family, for whatever it is. And then also at the same time, really, you know, show up for our, our job because we love what we're doing. Do you want to comment on that?
0: Yeah. So it's interesting. I think that um, at the end of the day, what's common amongst all of us people at work is that we all want to find time for what matters. Yeah. And if I said that to a hundred people, all 100 people will say, yes, yeah. I'm not describing what matter, what that means to you. I'm just describing, I know that you want you want time and flexibility in your life to for what matters to you. Yeah. So that goes back to the idea where so Our variables are the same and our motivators are the same. We all want to feel like we've got time for what matters in our life. So that's not a male-female thing. That's a human thing. And flexibility gets us there. It absolutely does. So flexibility, and it's interesting with the future of work, there's a lot of reimagining words or redefining what things are. You know, remote work is a feature of flexible work. Flexible work is a strategy. And that strategy is empowering, giving people the choice Mm -hmm. to choose when and where they work in a culture of reimagined trust. That's what flexibility is. And in my mind, you could choose to go to the office and sit at your desk five days a week and still work flexibly if that was your choice. Mm -hmm. Because that's a really empowering feeling. You want to see somebody be productive? You want to develop loyalty? Trust somebody. Go ahead and trust them and see what happens. You're going to unleash potential, unleash a sense of freedom, unleash a sense of loyalty, Find your creativity. So I work best from five, at 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. By 9 a.m., my day's over. My most <laughs> important things are done, honest to God, by 9 o'clock in the morning. If it's not done, it's probably not going to get done that day or I don't know when. But that's different for everybody. So the, fle- the concept of flexibility, it really is a personal trigger of freedom. And in that then comes the responsibility to choose how that looks for you, to reach the outcomes that matter to you. So at Sway, you know, our mantra is you're one person living one life and we are all endeavoring to make it count. And I really believe my heart of hearts that the practice of flexible working allows people to get there via a flexible work week.
1: Yes. Okay. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I agree with you. When you give people trust, they will in turn come be loyal. They'll be loyal and they'll do great work for you. And um, I've learned that, you know, in the businesses that I've run and give them that, that extra trust and faith. And, and I find that it's a far better cohesive um, working environment, whether you're working actually together or virtually, uh, it, just, it just works better. Uh, can you give me just a little bit about Sway and what you're doing with Sway and how it works for those who don't know about Sway Workplace?
0: Mm-hmm. Sure thing. Um, at Sway Workplace, we have a digital community for people and teams learning the skill set of flexibility and developing a future work mindset. The whole premise behind it is that when we step back and look at the system of work and everything, I think of everything as a system. And I think the system's thinking is a life skill because if you can see the systems you operate in, you can very clearly see where things go wrong and you can find solutions easier. So, the flexible work movement is emerging from a massive and seismic shift in the design and nature of work. And when we saw that, we really truly believe it's not the evolution to flexible work is not a conversation about, am I in the office three days or two? It really is a total change in your mindset. So you as the person, if you're choosing flexibility, you're choosing responsibility because that's what happens. A lot of control and responsibility is shifting from the company to the individual. And that's a major, major seismic shift in the way that we've approached work historically for the last 100 years since we organized labor. That's how big of a shift this is. So in our minds, we're only gonna be able to make flexible work stick, which means we're only gonna be able to be competitive nationally as a labor force if we can get this right and identify and see that it's actually a skill set. Like you would learn a skill for a particular task, you have to learn the skill of flexibility. So going through a great example of that is when you go to the office, you may work with 10 people. Maybe you sit beside one, the other, your other teammates. You might even call them, message them. Maybe you don't even see them during the day, but then you can go home. So maybe I've never actually physically seen you, but I went to the office because it made me accountable. And when I went to the office, I was accountable and it changed my behavior. So if you're going to choose flexibility, you have to choose how are you going to emulate that in a flexible way? if you're not going to the office for accountability. That's one example of how do you develop the skill set to make flexible work. And the future of work mindset is the other side of that. And for us, that is flexible work only makes sense in the context of the future of work. And seeing flexible work in the context of the future of work is how you develop a competitive advantage. It's how you become future-proof and competitive in this highly competitive future of work space as technology continues to automate tasks that we do every day in our jobs. So in our mind, we're solving the more immediate problem of helping people fall, cross that bridge with a, with a flexible skill set. But we're really deeply, deeply into the idea of helping people prepare with a mindset for the future of work. And when I say future of work, and those changes we talked about, it's not 10, 15 years away. It's happening right now. Yeah. It's one, two, three years away. And I have a deep concern for mass displacement of people out of the world of work which is a big reason why we created the way community.
1: Yes. Oh, I love all that. So <clears throat> there's a few things that, that I think are branches of that. Because for, for someone who has worked for myself, I know that I've had to create structures within myself, not only for work and how I'm, 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 I'm delivering work, but also to, for myself. So when you're working for yourself – I've been reading and there's a lot of, you know, people feeling that they're working, they're, they're burnt out. They're working way more. There's all the yep. meetings. And so there's got to be also that learning of how to take care of yourself within that and having um, th- those boundaries again and, and understanding, okay, this is what I'm going to accomplish and this is how I'm going to structure. It. So it's self-imposed structure, but also boundaries too. And, and that's something that has to be relearned when you're used to being in a structured environment, right? Am I understanding you correctly?
0: Oh, you are hitting the nail on the head. Yeah. So at Sway, we developed a framework based on systems thinking. This framework has six parts, and we believe that this framework can teach anyone how to work flexibly by transferring the skills and the mindset. And one of those pieces of the framework we call ACT. And ACT is the practical techniques of flexible working and personal responsibility. Yeah. And it goes back to the example we gave earlier. When you don't have a train to get on, or you don't have a train to get on every day or a door to close or an office to sit in, mm-hmm. your world looks very different. Even something as simple as the lighting and, and the acoustics and the ventilation, you're responsible for all of that. Even something as simple as that. So it's such a major shift, but you have to recreate that boundary experience in a flexible world, just like you would if you were in the office. Now, I think there's, we also talk about all the different ways of achieving that. So I for example, uh, we do not advocate remote work as a standalone model because we think remote work is a feature of flexible work. Mm-hmm. We think in a flexible world of work, I also I don't like working from home. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's great if I'm doing some light emailing, whatever the case is, but I would prefer to leave my home and go to my local co-working place or my library, which I adore going to That's silence. You can't beat it anywhere. Okay. And you're on All those books, maybe a coffee shop for meeting with my teammates. Mm-hmm. So I like to bop around. Mm-hmm. So for all those four locations, I utilize all those four ways, depending on where I am in the day, depending on if I need some distraction or to be around people or if I need to be on my own for deep thinking. So those are all the decisions that you have to make every day to create a routine. So the other really important thing is that I think that people think once a company consents to flexible work, they open the front door of the office and everyone's going to run out like lunatics They're all going to go home, never get out of the pajamas, eat bonbons all day and watch Maury. I
1: (laughs) I know they think that. I do. I do. They think they're like worried, but I don't think that's the case. People like to work.
0: It's not the case. We did a big piece of research research last summer on the idea of swaying. how do we achieve this? And we asked a lot of people and people like to work. They like like to to get down to the business of work. Mm -hmm. They really do. They want to contribute. They want to create. They want to add Mm -hmm. value, but they are terribly, terribly, terribly burnt out. But more than anything, they want structure and routine. So, Mm -hmm. We don't think that this move to flexible work is a major, noisy, chaotic shift. We really think it's like a little shimmy to the left, a little shimmy to the right, and we could unlock a lot of peace and potential in people, which, again, is aligned with the future of work needs. So people want structure. They want routines. They want They value habits because that's how we organize to create work. But the issue is it looks different, a little different for every person. And if you're empowered to make those decisions, then you're on the right track in the future of work. So it's not this chaotic bonbons, more at three in the afternoon at all. It's quite the opposite of that. But yes, so the the point there, of course, is simply that if you're choosing flexibility, you're choosing to design that world for yourself in conjunction with your teammates and in conjunction with your company. It's a big responsibility. And we really drive that home in the sweet community.
1: I love because design is something that is so, it's in, it's in my DNA. And I love the whole thought of designing that and creating that structure. And I had to create it for myself. And I would see where things were not going as well. And then I would adjust it. And I love that you said, you know, you get things done five to seven in the morning. That's when you, you know, so I think it starts with people really knowing who they are, where they, when they work best, and then really working with how they're going to structure their meetings. I had one uh, interview with uh, someone who who worked in the entertainment industry. And she said, this one guy, he's a showrunner and everyone wants to ask him questions. And and he had meetings on Monday, Wednesday, Friday at this time, he's like, save that for the meeting. So he held it off. Like he, you have to start really every single thing, realizing instead of the structure being there, you have to implement the structure. And it's just, it's a learning process. But at the same time, we all know when we work best and what, what that means and maybe not, taking meetings or phone calls and all those things start flying at us. And I think that's why people are feeling burnt out because the work is in their home. They're not escaping it and they're, and they're just taking everything and they're not structuring things as well. So that's something to consider. And one more thing is that I would mentor women who are taking on uh, this kind of thing in life uh, and the business. And I would always say um, you have to get really good, even at don't be thinking about the project or the work when you're off of work. Like you have to start really, training yourself about how to best serve yourself. And then when you're serving your work, you're best serving your work. You're really there 100%. Does that make sense to you?
0: It, it absolutely does. And look, let's also acknowledge that burnout has been happening in the office, in the traditional yes. model for a long time and accelerating at a disturbing pace. Yes. You know, our employee engagement levels in the U S are at a horrendous level and worsening. Yeah. So our traditional model clearly was not working and this either the compare the compare contrast is how is this last year gone? I mean, I'm, I'm here and these kids are crawling all over me. This is not, uh, this is not flexible work. This is like organized chaos slash almost like waterboarding torture sometimes, but this is not the future of work either. No. Um, you know, once we get into our kids' schools, I really think that once our schools open back up properly and in a uniform manner, we'll all get back to work in the way that we need to, but it's going to look very, very different. I don't think anyone's going back into the office, but a big piece of that of course is, um, is like we talked before, it is about the responsibility aspect of it and and choosing how you want to design your system.
1: Yes. And, and how that is, how you can do your best within that system. So everyone's a little bit different. And I love that you said, you know, the flexible workspace, you know, that was really catching on and then everything shut down, but I think it's going to look different. It isn't, it's going to be really um, necessary The coffee shops are a little noisy. I like the quieter uh, places, but I loved what you wrote in your article about that. Even like the, almost like the Uber um, or the Airbnb of of workspaces. Yes. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I thought that was really exciting and innovative. I love that.
0: Yeah. In my mind, um, the whole co working is has been traditionally very centered in the city in the urban areas. But in my mind, that whole movement is all shifting out to the burbs because, you know, if you look at the New York City area as an example, which is where I, where, where I live, there's about 1.9 million knowledge workers that commute in and out of New York and the tri-state area. And that means there's 1.9 million workers that are now going to be looking for alternative working spaces in the suburban areas where they live.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So there's a good, in my mind, there's a huge shift in the u- utility value of co-working that's going to move to the burbs. So I want to scream from the mountaintop, let's get on this. If anyone wants to invest in 2021, take a peek at what's happening in co-working in the suburban area. I think it's a huge, huge growth area. So much so that I had this idea that I want to work on, which is almost like the the uh, Airbnb of unused office space. Yeah. So just like you could Airbnb someone's place, could you Airbnb someone's unused office in their in, in their home or in some, some people have like separate structures on their property? Or yeah. could it be a corporate office park? That we have loads of here in New Jersey that have unused spaces that I could just pop in and use a desk what I need to. So I think that's, again, that's a circular economy. And I think that we are absolutely moving towards that concept. Um, and it's only a matter of time before we see that popping up.
1: And, and, and I do agree with you that you do, you get out and you do that work, then you're, you just focused on your work and you're not at home. So there's no distractions. And I, I agree. I like getting out and, and moving around, but at the same time, going back to my pod Like You know what I mean? Like my space. And and so I I like a little of both. And that choice, that flexible choice really works for me. The other thing that you said in your article, which I love, was the community colleges. And um, I've always been saying, I've been saying that, oh, my gosh, our our academia is is antiquated. It needs to really be revived or or redesigned. And um, I'm feeling like what you said in that article made so much sense, sort of a hybrid. I don't know if the word trade is right, but a hybrid trade, academic kind of thing for these community colleges. And so would you like to just comment on that? Because I'd like yes. to say.
0: Oh, yes. So the other side of the coin of the future of work is the future of education. Yes. It's the same thing. Ultimately, because it, it, it was uh, the origins have the same roots. You know, a lot of our educational system, even in terms of how we separate kids by age and then the, the day by subjects, all of that came from a uniform approach that was born from the high school movement, which is how we got, we moved from becoming agriculturists into industrialists. We got people and young kids off of farmland, one-room one, one room schoolhouses of all ages into a uniform system that fed the supply chain into factories that moved the manufacturer economy, So, which is the design of work that we currently follow. So the future of education and the future of work are two sides of the exact same coin. And in the same way that the future of work is challenging our work models, it's absolutely equally challenging our education models. And there is an enormous amount of talk about what it is to be a lifelong learner and sparking that sense of curiosity that we had as children that I really believe was, um, that was really drilled out of us mm-hmm. through this uniform approach to education. And there's a real emphasis in the future of work on finding your spark for curiosity and creativity. Mm-hmm. And this isn't only because I feel good because I'm exploring a hobby or something that I, I, I always wanted to try photography and I'm going to try it. That's a future of work skill that companies are looking for is in demand. So this is all such an interrelated change of what it is to be more human at work and a more human in life. So lifelong learning, I really believe that the most important change happens in person, which is why we don't advocate for remote work as a standalone, because I think we need to be together. I don't think we need to be together five days a week, nine to five. I think there are points we have to come together and I think learning is one of those points. So if you know I'm not sure, I only recently became aware of this. I think there's about 1,200 Um, community colleges across the US. It's like a web. It is a physical network that extends in counties, in states, right across the country. Mm -hmm. And I think that is just an undiscovered gem. Now, whether they have the capacity, I haven't looked at that aspect of it yet. But I think like there's one, uh, one mile away from me is our local community college. And I can absolutely envision that being the center for retraining or holding classes or in-person events to upskill our local workforce in skills and ways that they wouldn't previously have access to. So if you want to change a nation, you want to upskill our labor force, let's look at our community colleges. That's yeah. an asset that we have. It's literally quite literally in our backyard. Yes. We could get together as a group you know, in an organized format and learn something new that makes us more competitive and relevant to the world of work. It's right there.
1: I think I, it's I, fantastic. I think that's fantastic. And you're right, and there's, there's colleges that are closing because there's just not enough, um, you know, people uh, there. So these are er- things that could be re- um, imagined. imagined, exactly. And, and I, I, I don't want to say trade, but I've read articles about how they're looking at these, these spaces and how the, the workforce is changing and, and that we need to be learning almost like a buffet rather than this uniform thing. We're, we're going in and we're learning certain things. So trade sounds like a skill only, but it's it's more than that. So there's a there's a word that needs to be used for that that I haven't um, thought of yet, as far as I haven't uh, grasped onto it yet, but they, there is talk about this, how that we have to reimagine education and that there has to be these spaces used and being teaching and teaching the groups in a different way, uh, a way that is going to help them actually um, think like design thinking, like think better, solutions driven. They're starting with children in charter schools now. It's a different type of learning. And they're they're thinking that they would use this in these colleges and these schools. You're saying you would have people that are in the workforce already using the community colleges. But also I'm saying the people coming up, the kids coming up, it would be a fantastic way for them to be learning rather than just the the rote, um, you know, do this and then this and then this and then that's gonna happen because it's not. I think it's very fluid now. And, uh, and how we apply it is, is what's going to be um, key. Yeah.
0: I think, that, yeah, it's fair to say, I think it, most people would agree that there are mass deficiencies in the educational system in terms of how it's delivered and not really tied into the skills of the future or the jobs of the future at all. Yeah. But change is really hard when it's a, ma- it's a national education yeah, system. Yeah. So that, that, that's why, again, I, I don't learn by reading, I learn by doing. So in my mind, I look at everything as an apprenticeship and I rather learn, be being around people, in conversations with people, doing things with people. That's why I learn best. So when you talk about reimagining, I also think we need to reimagine the word apprenticeship. When we think apprenticeship, we think that it's an outcome of a trade or like a plumber or a welder. Heck no. I think we need to rethink what an apprenticeship is to modernize it for the future of work. How amazing would that be? And again, I'm talking not only for children that are going through school or coming out of school, but I'm talking to people in the workforce yeah. that have to comp- that are going to have to pivot and they're going to have to re-engineer their mindset and their approach to how they work simply because the way technology that we talked about, one of the major trends in the Fourth Industrial Revolution is how technology is going to displace a massive amount of knowledge workers. And our vision is, sway, is how do we prepare people to see this as a major opportunity and be part of the change rather than being on the other end of this and seeing it as a threat because you're subject to the change. And that's a decision that you can make today. So one of those is how are we going to retrain ourselves by sparking our curiosity, by picking a book and reading more, by asking questions, and by reimagining apprenticeships through my local community college. Or maybe there's a programmer that comes in and teaches a a group of 10 local people what programming is really like so I can test it out and see. And maybe I've got a flair for it. And, And or maybe some of my skills in my one occupation are totally transferable to the next. So it's an exciting world out there, but we have to create the systems in place to allow people the opportunity to discover the untapped Potential in themselves. And that's a big driver for me. I think by human design, we are massively, massively uh, capable of so much. And I think that traditional work has only allowed us to see ourselves in a certain prism. But the future of work is all about how do you discover the other multidimensional aspects of you by doing things and learning things and reading things. So the world and the future, it's all open and it's terribly exciting for me. But we have to be prepared for it. And that's a big thing, but we think about it's way.
1: One more thing I want to say, because what you just said is, is what I really. Uh, Try to encourage within Next is women, especially that's my niche, but it could be women or men. Considering your Next, you get to a place in life. you in your 40s. Maybe you're considered old. You're pushed out of the workforce. But things are changing. Uh, we're looking at what, how are we going to stay relevant? How are we going to continue to work? And uh, I think it goes back to I'm good at these things. I have all these accomplishments. This is valuable, and I might like to go to that community college and and learn that skill, learn what they're doing, and see how they're being – because we all have a fantastic ability to to take what we know and be able to incorporate it into something else. It's just getting into the mindset of that. Um, And so I would love for you just to quickly comment on those who have been aged out of the workforce, how they can repurpose what they're doing, and perhaps maybe – taken into heart, like they, they could continue to work, but from this flexible standpoint.
0: I relate because I felt like that for, for a long time when my kids were my a little older elementary now, when they were younger, uh, I was wondering, how am I going to get back into work? And I kept a part-time job just so I could keep myself warm. Yeah. So I could so keep my toe in the water because I just didn't want to be totally displaced, but I would really doubt it. What did I have to give? I'm like, what can I really do? I thought i little open up a daycare, going back to the mom track. What do I do? Um, but I've completely changed my tune now because I see that there is, well, to answer this maybe a different way, we're all displaced. Mm -hmm. There's no one in the world to work right now that is not being displaced for some reason. So for a long time, it was moms that kind of stepped out to raise their children. And there was a big question mark as their children got older, do I reenter or do I not? Am, Am I aged out or who's going to consider that I've got something valuable when you have all these young kids coming out of school with much more modern skills? Good news is everyone's being displaced right now. So it's not only the mom, the mom track who think about, do I have a place in the world of work? Um, the other side of it too is that there is no greater skill set I would personally look for at Sway than a working mom. I, I mean, if you want to know what it's like, <laughs> Yeah. And so the skills you develop as a parent are extraordinary. Sometimes they're like negotiation and hostage skills. <laughs> like if you ever had a toddler at the shop, right at, at the local supermarket looking yeah. for a pack of gum at the checkout counter, and you don't want to give it. And everyone, everyone around the supermarket is looking at you with pity because your kid's screaming on the floor. That's a really high intense situation where you have to negotiate your way out of a the situ- situation down and exit.
1: Yeah,
0: that's, is kind of a funny example, but not. There are so many skills you develop as a parent that are so relevant to the world of work and particularly as it relates to future work skills yeah. that we already have so much built in, mm-hmm. ready to go. I think the only blocker is that we don't think that we do. Yeah. And if you can get over that hump, which I believe a lot of people
1: can, then you unlock your potential and you find your place. I agree. And I think, again, going back to really knowing who you are, what you bring, and your accomplishments. And those accomplishments could be you raised kids but at the same time you were working and then you also, you know, took care of this and that and so all of those things and really getting down to define what you did there. Not like the child and this and that but how what you were doing negotiation, put words to it because those are strengths. Those are things that you can Repurpose and plug back in again and deliver somewhere else. And I don't think it's over with when you've been pushed out of the workforce, maybe from ageism or what have you. You still have valuable, valuable skill set and, and accomplishments that, that could be utilized. I think it comes up to us knowing exactly who we are, what we bring, and how we can re- repurpose it and plug it back in again and looking for those opportunities. And I think by what the work you're doing and what you're, you're saying here today, that, that we can continue to to stay relevant and and continue to repurpose. Maybe it doesn't look like it was before. But at the same time, we're still doing a lot of the things that that um, we encompass that are are uniquely our own. And so so I really love what you're doing, Denise. And I want to thank you for being here today. Because I think this is so, so I could talk to you forever on this topic it's such an exciting topic to me because i love the idea of of the future and and new trends and and ways that that bring hope because people say it's all bad no it's not i i see that this is awful what what we've gone through but at the same time it's it's accelerating something that's going to be pretty incredible so thank you so much thank you for listening links to mine and my guest social media as well as other resources you might enjoy are all in the show notes why not take a quick 10-minute quiz to help find the right resource for you? Download the Compass mini course or browse the resource page and see what the Next community has to offer. All available at www.nextcareerlife.com. Enjoying the show? Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or share the show with a friend or coworker. Word of mouth is still the best way to find out about new podcasts. Until next time.